I always say I have the best job in the world. I get to help women unlock their limitless potential so they can have it all. If your mind is saying you can't have it all, that's fear running the show. I'm here to tell you, the only thing between you and holistic success is you. The doors to Limitless Warrior are officially open. Join Limitless Warrior. It's time to dig deep and shine bright. It's time to permanently break up with fear. If you want all the holistic success you've been dreaming of, join us. It's a 12-week program, once a week, on a Zoom for 90 minutes. Get off that hamster wheel and be the limitless woman you know you are inside. The link to save your spot is limitless-warrior.com. Join us. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Jump! Go ahead, jump! Might as well jump, jump. Woo! Yeah, baby. A little uh, Van Halen for you. A little, a little David Lee Roth for you, warrior women. Oh yes, we are back, and I'm playing a little David Lee Roth to remind you that you need to jump, jump, to take the leap, leap, and the net will appear. Life, after all, is not guaranteed. We don't know how long we have, so might as well jump. In one of my mastermind groups, I hear some of the moms remarking that they think that they should wait until their kids go to college before they go for their passions and dreams. No, you don't have to wait. You can begin. You can take small steps and get yourself in forward motion. Delaying your passions leads to resentment. Don't let your kids, no matter how dramatic and teenagery they may be, steal the joy you want for yourself. My guest today was a pregnant teen that chose to jump into work, jump into a male-dominated company, jump into management, and now is jumping into a whole new role as diversity, equity, inclusion needs her. Yes. You might as well jump. After all, what have you got to lose? DM me at warriorwomenpod or liz.swadek on Instagram and tell me how you are jumping into your next phase. Let's get to it. Need connection? Accountability? Support as you explore the next level version of you? Give yourself a real gift this year. The gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is 
they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Today on the show, Cheryl Thompson. Cheryl is the founder of the Center for Automotive Diversity, Inclusion, and Advancement, which is also called Cadia. Cadia is a mission-driven organization that supports diversity, equity, and inclusion for the automotive industry by providing professional development for individuals along with resources, programs, and tools that drive organizational evolution. A veteran of the auto industry, Cheryl has over 30 years of experience at Ford Motor Company and American Axle and Manufacturing in positions ranging from tool and die, operations, manufacturing and engineering, and global leadership. Her mission is to advance diverse talent and double the number of women leaders in the automotive industry by 2030, using the proven tools of community building, mentorship, and advocacy. Cheryl is a certified diversity professional through National Diversity Council, has won numerous awards in her field, and she is also a certified Six Sigma black belt. She can kick your ass and she's adorable. That's right. Cheryl's here. Cheryl, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Liz. So thrilled to be here. I just love your podcast. So kind of like a dream come true to be a guest on your podcast. Thank you for having me. You are amazing, Cheryl. And I, Cheryl for real does listen to the podcast because she will, I like no one else, Cheryl will be like, that was so great when this one said that one and this is, she will literally report back. So she is a, a listener, but I am very excited to have you. So Cheryl, we, we met through a coaching certification course we took together. I was instantly impressed with you and all you've accomplished, especially in such a male dominated field. I'm really excited to have you here today. You and I are friends. I adore you. In my deep research on you, Cheryl, I like to do my research. I found out that we have something in common and it's really fun. So I started a business when I was 11 years old, a clowning and magic business with my girlfriend, my best girlfriend, Michelle. And we had business cards and all the neighborhood moms hired us. And we did birthday parties because we took a magic course after school and then we used it to parlay it into a business. So I have been an entrepreneur since I was 11. So I saw that you also had a little foray into entrepreneurship at a young age. Tell me about your business, Cheryl. Yes. Well, first of all, we lived on the golf course. So the first little foray into entrepreneurship was selling lemonade, of course. What better way to make money but to set up stand on, you know, the golf course. But that wasn't making me enough money. So I decided, you know, and I had a a reason for this. I wanted to make money because I wanted Levi's jeans and Adidas tennis shoes. This is before like Jordache jeans and Calvin Klein came into fashion, but like Levi's. So I had this mission and my mom helped me. She said, you know, you should make up index cards and advertise your service and go door to door handing them out. So I did. I went door to door with, do you remember the different color index cards? Yeah. Printed all of those up and I went door to door and I had a steady babysitting job from the time I was 11 until the time I, you know, started working at the restaurant that I worked at when I was 16. 
So you started a babysitting empire so that you could, so that you could fund your Adidas. I did. I had my Red Cross certification. Do you remember like learning how to do CPR? I did that too. So it was like Red Cross babysitting certification. And then my first job at Big Boys, which is like a family dining place. I don't know if they have those by you. I had my resume which had my babysitting experience. I had my Red Cross certification and they weren't even hiring, but they were so impressed that I had a resume. They found a job for me. <laughs> I, that's not the best. I love it. I love it. I was very surprised to learn this next thing, Cheryl, I have to say in my research, because I know you in, you know, for your DEI work and you ascended the heavens at Ford Motor. I did not know you were pregnant in, like in high school or 17, I guess, when you were pre- yeah. pregnant. I'm sure you felt really derailed by that. And I wanted to kind of talk about that point in your life and your mindset, because obviously look at you now, right? But back in back when the, these type of things kind of happened to us, it, it, we have a tendency to be like, well, that's it. Now I'm now my, my whole life's over. I'm pregnant and I'm 17. So, oh, well, <laughs> you know, so I just kind of wanted to talk about that with you. Yeah. Well, I graduated early from high school because I had enough credits. I I could not wait to get out of high school and just get out of my own and start making money. I think money has just always been one of those values for me. And so I had graduated early. I was in community college. And then that's when I ended up getting pregnant. Still, you know, went to my high school graduation and, you know, no one knew at the time, but I was pregnant. I was 17 And I think what that did for me is it really taught me to overcome adversity at a really early age. You know, I I did have that moment of there's two doors. There's the, oh, well, this is going to be my life or or we're going to do something about this, right? It's never too late. There's nothing so horrible that can ever happen that you can't come out of. So I think that's what that did for me. When I got pregnant, I was working at the big boys restaurant that I talked about. Yes. yes. And I just remember being so motivated to, like, I would look at each table I was waiting on, like loaf of bread, a gallon of milk, right? Yes. And I would and I would have like my budget all, you know, lined up. This is how much money I need to make to move out of my parents' house, how much I'm going to need for rent and utilities and all of that. It just really got me super organized and super focused on goal setting and goal setting in terms of like writing it down on paper. <laughs> yes. You know, putting that vision out there, making it real, that pen to paper makes such a huge difference. So I still do that. When there's a challenge in front of me, I just start writing it down and thinking about what I want out of the situation. It was a really good thing. And my son's doing well. He's 30, going to be, he turned 37 yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. You have a 37, you look 37 yourself, Cheryl. So that's insane Aww, to me. Thank you. So that's amazing. And I love the idea of two doors. I think there's many points in our lives mm-hmm. where we had, you know, I just moved uh, Landon to a different school and <sighs> I, I changed him in the middle of the year. And that was a hard thing. You know, there was two doors, the door of keeping him at the school that clearly was not doing anything for him and it was not working. Or do we open this other door and try this other school? And I'm so glad we did. So sometimes that other door seems like, Ugh! but really sometimes it's the best thing that could ever happen to you. So I think it's, I think it's great that it motivated you, you know, right. to organize as it did. Congratulations to you, right? There's always another way. And what's the worst thing that can happen? <laughs> There's it fails, it doesn't work out. And then there's a, another choice. And you make choice. another choice. 
right? Mm-hmm. We get so caught up in these choices. Sometimes we almost think like we can't make one, but it's like, right. no, if it doesn't work, you make another choice. I mean, really, exactly. that is really what it is. Tell me about your first job with the Ford Motor Company, because you were there for 30 years, but you did not start out <laughs> in management, Cheryl. How did you start out? Did you start out as a waitress? Uh, actually lower than that. <laughs> so, you know, my dad was an engineer at Ford Motor Company and, you know, he saw me working at the big boy trying to get all those tips. And he said, if you're going to waitress, why not go apply at Ford Motor Company? Because maybe you'll get benefits. Maybe they'll pay for your health care. So my mom drove me to the Ford World headquarters in Dearborn, Michigan. And I remember not wanting to get out of the car thinking, oh, they're not going to hire me. So I got out of the car and applied and they hired me on the spot. They handed me an apron and they said, can you start right now? We need someone to wash dishes in the basement. So that was my first job, washing dishes in the basement of World Headquarters. I actually had to run back out to the car and ask my mom to pick me up later. I'm wearing a gray suit, pantyhose, heels, you know, it's the 80s. And here I was in the basement washing dishes, these trays coming down on the tray conveyor. It was like the Lucille ball episode, with the chocolate oh God, factory really couldn't keep up, <laughs> Yes, but you know, that got me into waitressing. I did waitress in the coffee shop, the executive dining room, penthouse, got to wait on all of those executives. And, you know, that taught me a lot about leadership because I would see the people who were in the top leadership positions and they treated me very well as a server. The ones that were like climbing to get ahead, they didn't treat me so nice. So it really taught me something about being humble and, you know, really looking to serve other people when you're a leader. You know what? That's so funny because I, you know, my father taught me, and I'm sure your father said the same, that how a man treats a waitress is everything that watch how someone treats a waitress. If someone treats a waitress with disrespect, anyone who's serving them in the service industry. And I never forgot that. And I was a waitress and a co-check girl and a bartender. I've been everything in the world. And I remember, you're right, you know, you could see people who, you know, were leaders or president CEOs that would treat the waitress wonderfully well and and tip well, and you had such respect for them. And then there was the ones that just thought they were everything and they would treat someone like, you know, me who is a waitress or you horribly. And you would say, I don't ever want to be that person. That's right. Do you, you know who Jesse Jackson is, right? Yes, of course. I waited on him. There was a party and I got to actually wait on him and I'll never forget it. He was so polite. People were sending their food back. There was like the prime rib wasn't cooked enough or whatever. And everyone was sending it back. And he was so gracious. I'll never forget. He just looked up at me and just said, thank you very much. You know, just the polite as can be. I mean, it just means makes all the difference in in Mm -hmm. a human Um, So you went into management at Ford, something you had never considered because you really had not seen women in that role. You only saw men in that role. So tell me about your mentor. I loved hearing about Linda. I want to know about Linda because I really feel like, you know, women really need mentors. You know, I mean, I I always say you can't compete with me because I want you to win. (laughs) (laughs) It's impossible. I want women to win. So it's impossible to compete. There's no competition for me. But I loved Linda's kind of things that she would say to you. So tell me how you became, you know, how did you embrace this role in management in this male dominated company? And what did Linda tell you about that? Yes. So first of all, you know, getting out of the the food service area of Ford, they were trying to recruit women and minorities into the skilled trades. And I became a tool and die maker. And that was like a four-year apprenticeship. And then I was a journey person for a couple of years. And I don't and even then, know what a tool and die maker is. So just tell me. What you know, is. Liz, 
I thought I was going to make tools and dye them. But what it is, you know, the car parts, like a fender door roof. So dye goes inside of a huge press and stamps out car parts. So it's like enormous. It's enormous. It's huge. I had to get inside of these huge 25 ton, 25,000 ton presses that stamped out car parts, you know, and I would be inside working on it. Oh my so, yeah. gosh, Cheryl, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> that is insane. Okay. So you worked at tool time. So, and then uh, had a superintendent that, you know, this is back in the early nineties who said a lot of dye makers go into engineering and he introduced me to the idea that I could be an engineer, introduced me to his network. So that's what a true mentor slash sponsor is, right? Just giving me access to opportunity. So I was, you know, so thrilled to be an engineer, like really proud to have reached that position from where I started and didn't really think I would go any further. And I had, you know, another great mentor who took me aside for a career discussion and said, listen, you're ready to be a manager. I had been supervising other engineers and I was so proud of myself. And I looked at him and there were not many women managers around. And I thought I was going to have to act like him or act like the other male leaders that I had seen. And, you know, let's face it, back in those days, you know, the culture was not great. (laughs) A lot of yelling, screaming, pounding on the table. And I wanted absolutely no part of that at all. The women that I did see lead, I would say, led more like men. And they weren't leading with their authentic self. So I wanted no part in that. And I remember my boss, his name was Phil. He's wearing his glasses. He looked down his glasses at me and he said, kid, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'll try to get you some help. So he just found like the highest ranking female in Ford. And he set me up with a mentoring discussion with her. Her name is Linda. And I'm waiting outside of her office to talk to her. And I can hear her saying, we need to get these engineers home from launch. So, you know, they would send out engineers to install new equipment, to set up the line, to make cars. She said they need to be home with their families. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's how I would be as a leader. Like I would be caring about the people and went in and talked to her. And she set me straight. She said, first of all, don't let the men coddle you you know, step up. You can't just be good. You need to be great. You don't have to play the game, but you need to know the game that's played. So suit up and get in there, right? You can't change the game unless you're in the game. So she was just fantastic. I mean, that one conversation changed my my whole trajectory, changed my personal life, changed my professional life. And she has since retired, but I just had a little LinkedIn messaging thing with her. So I still keep in contact with her to this day. I love it. I love it. And I love that she gave you the advice to not be, let yourself be coddled because, yes. you know, I think the tendency sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, little girl, I'll help you, you know? Oh my and God, then you yes. also don't feel like you can ever get out from under that, that thumb. When I was an apartment manager, one of my 700 other jobs, Cheryl, I had an older gentleman who was my boss and he used to call me young lady and it used to drive me crazy. And it wasn't that he was disrespecting me, but it felt yucky to me. So one day I just said, you know, Richard, it would be so great if you could just call me Liz. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't like young lady, you know? And he's like, oh, okay, no problem. Like he he was very nice about it. But, you know, when someone's calling you young lady, it just, you know, so, but it's true. You don't want to be coddled in. You want to, you also want to feel like you did it on your own. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. And, you know, looking back, I, I can think of managers and supervisors who had low expectations, you know, and I just let myself 
fall right into that. But then once I had some exposure and experience of someone that had high expectations of me, you know, it made me want to work so much harder because I didn't want to let them down. And then I saw what I was capable of. And then when I saw those leaders with the low expectations, I no longer lowered myself to that, right? I said, oh no, (laughs) I can do better. I can do more. Leveling up right here. So you Mm -hmm. retired after 31 years of being in management and running a global team of 500. I don't even know how you run a team of 500 people, but I love it that you did that. Um, A global team of 500. Your new work is really exciting and it's really stretched you even further, which I love. Tell me how you're closing the gender gap in the automotive industry with Kadia. Yes, yes. Well, Liz, it was almost like this invisible force pulling me out of Ford to do something different. And I knew it was going to be something big. Didn't exactly know quite what that was, but I knew I wanted to make a difference because I knew I had a lot more to offer. I saw so many women and other underrepresented groups, you know, frustrated because I they knew they could offer more. So that's really what Kadia was was born from. Kadia, if you Google it, it's also an underground gold mine in Australia. And so there's this double meaning of there's a gold mine for individuals who don't yet know how awesome automotive is and how lucrative and interesting it can be, but also a gold mine for employers who are, you know, still looking in that one talent pool. There's many different talent pools to look for talent in. So I just think it's good for the industry. I think it's good for individuals. So that's really how Cadia was born. And it's changed a lot even since I started the organization. You know, in the last couple of years with the pandemic, I think that has exposed so many inequities that I think some of us knew they were there, but it shined a light on all of these inequities in terms of who gets to work from home, essential workers and all of that. And then, of course, when George Floyd was murdered, all of our eyes were open to so many more inequities. So this whole topic of DE&I has just really taken off. And I think some people were cringing and, and waiting for this all to pass, but I can tell you it's not passing. I think companies are even more committed and dedicated to making change. Well, that is good to hear. What do you think are the biggest challenges right now, maybe, you know, with women or with, you know, people of color? What do you, what do you feel like the big kind of uphill battle is right now? Well, there's so many. <laughs> this I know, is, this is a big question. If, yeah. if I ever, if I would have known that there would be so many challenges in DE&I, I don't know that I would have taken this on, but isn't that the case for any business? So first of all, politics. I think that for whatever reason, this topic has been politicized. So there's this back and forth about, is it reverse discrimination or are we really trying to give everybody a fair shake? And I just expect that to ramp up even more with elections coming up again in November, right? So that's one of them. I think another challenge is if you have leadership that is traditionally male, like in automotive, there's a lot of fear about zero sum game. There's a fear of you know, everyone wants to belong. It's human nature going back to cavemen times. I feel like sometimes it's a threat to the belonging of the people that have been in power. um, When we start talking about distributing opportunity, you know, more fairly. And then in the manufacturing environment, people on the floor, the people making the, 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 the product every day, it's really hard to reach them and the middle managers. 
So those are a few of the challenges. If a company is global, that's another big challenge because how do you apply this globally? What diversity may mean here, where we're you know talking about gender diversity, we're talking about race, ethnicity, LGBTQ status, people with disabilities. In other countries, maybe they're just focused on gender. So, you know, so they think when you dig into it a little bit more, I think that we all have all kinds of invisible diversity dimensions that we may not, may not even realize. Absolutely. I'm learning more and more about neurodiversity with myself. Yes. That's very interesting to me. Tell me about you as this woman in this male dominated company. You know, like I'm sure that the tendency, and I've heard this from other women, that at first you just like, you know, obviously Linda told you not to, but you want to do it the way you see it being done, right? Like these men are acting a certain way. And sometimes as women, I think we feel we have to do it that way to be strong, to be heard, to get our point across. So how did you handle that? How did you kind of carve out your own niche? And was that hard, you know, kind of coming in as a woman and and speaking to all these men? Yes. I I think just back to the tool and eye days, you know, I had to wear coveralls. So I'm wearing coveralls. First of all, don't fit me. The the crotch is down to the knees. The safety boots are two sizes too big, right? It's, It's just really uncomfortable. But I can remember not even then not wanting to lose my femininity. So wearing my hair a certain way or making sure I had something pink, So rape, you know, this is back in my early twenties, remembering back then I did not want to lose that feminine piece of me. Then when I went into the salaried side, working as an engineer, I can remember the women telling me "You, you need to get thick skin. You need to toughen up. And I just was so uncomfortable with that. So for whatever reason, I just stayed true to who I was. I got a lot of pushback. You're too sensitive. You're too nice. People are going to walk all over you. However, at the end of the day, people saw that was a positive. I think leadership was starting to change. I I was told I was inclusive, which was good, collaborative. So I think those traits, because I hung on to them, helped me as I went on. So yeah, I think maybe there was some time where people thought, well, she's not a true leader because I wasn't leading the man's way. But I think at the end, it, it ended up helping me. I think so too. I think it actually is our superpower. And you know, I talk about that on the podcast. I used to think, you know, women crying or being upset or sensitive. Now I'm like, no, that's also intuition. And we get an (laughs) instinct about somebody and we're like, I don't think this guy's a good fit. Uh Uh-uh. Like, right. So I think that, you know, looking at that as more of a superpower and an asset and emotional intelligence, frankly, (laughs) is the way companies are headed and what they need to have to be competitive. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And we need more women to stay in corporate because I think that once we see more women get those positions of power and influence, they're going to be able to make the changes, the systemic changes that are going to help everybody. You know, you think about often need more flexibility because we're often the caregivers, whether it's kids or aging parents or whatever. So let's just say we've got flexible policies that are put into place so people can take time off or they can work flexible hours. That really helps everybody, not just women. And there's there's so many examples of if we solve for the extremes, it's going to really help everyone. So I would love, you know, the work that we do, you know, through the organization that we met through. I'm just really excited about the possibility to give women those tools uh, so that they can lead their own way 
And so that we see them step into those positions of power and influence so that they can change the systems. Absolutely. It's huge. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was just going to ask you about that. I was going to say, you know, we both went through a certification program with Tracy Litt. Mm-hmm. Mind Magic, we are now Mind Magic Practitioners. Tell me how you're using that work as a, a sort of mindset and empowerment coach in the work you're doing now. You talked about some of the tools. Tell me how you're kind of marrying the things you're doing and bringing that in. Well, I, I would like to do more of that in the future, but for right now, the way I'm using it, I mean, the tools apply to so many things. First of all, I use them on myself every day. Of course, hundred <laughs> percent, me too. <laughs> but, but, you know, if I see someone struggling a little bit with confidence, you know, I, I now have the tools to take them aside and let them know that your thoughts are just options and not to make meaning out of things and and just share a little bit of what I've been learning. But it also fits so nicely when teaching about unconscious bias and the way our mind works and, and how much of our thoughts are unconscious or, you know, hidden under the surface. So I really look to incorporate that work into my diversity, equity, and inclusion training. So male, female, whatever the topic is, I can sneak something in (laughs) a little bit here and there. Yes. I love that. I love that. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was such a game changer going through that certification for exactly the reason you're talking about, because A, you get some tools for yourself so mm-hmm. you do when you're, we call it mind fuckery. We're just going to yes. say that on the, on the podcast. But like when your mind is just offering you some absolute nonsense, you know, like, oh, I don't know if you can do that. You pro- That's probably not a good idea. You probably shouldn't say that. I don't know if you can do it. You're, you know what? You Oh, I, oh, now you really did it. Now you said something. I mean, your mind can just work against you. And, all the time. and you really have to ask yourself, where are these thoughts coming from? Yes. They are not coming from me. They are coming right. from maybe my mother's voice or my father's voice or, you know, an insecurity that I'm having or my boss and what he said to me before. And so now I feel like I can never speak up again because the one time I spoke up, I felt I made meaning out of what he said back to me. And now I'm just not going to speak. Now I'm just not yes. going to talk in the meeting, the end, never going to bring it up again. Right. So I'm sure you see this a lot with people that you, you know, you worked through for yourself, but also in other people that you work with. That's right. That's right. I see it in leaders. I see it in aspiring leaders. I see it in myself still like day to day doing business. If someone doesn't call me back, if someone doesn't, you know, purchase something that we're offering, I'll, you know, I'll make it mean something. And then I always learn, (laughs) Cheryl, nothing means anything until you give it meaning. And that's why it's so important to have these tools for ourselves and for others. Yes. Well, tell me, how can people work with you or how can companies work with you and come alongside what you're doing? Our website is automotivediversity.org and we do something free. We used to do this every Tuesday, but now we just do it the first Tuesday of the month. It's called Kadia Connects. It's at noon Eastern time. So it's free. It's kind of like a lunch and learn. And we always have special guests. This February, we're going to be talking about keeping the rhetoric out of DEI, (laughs) you know, with elections coming up and all of that. How do you keep that aside? We also have monthly roundtables. So anyone who is a DEI practitioner or wants to learn more about it, we bring companies together and I'll do a little teaching and then we share best practices So that is uh, such a great community. And then we just started a 13-week certification program. Lots of different ways to get involved with Kadia. Okay, well, I'm going to put everything in the show notes, all your links, all your things. But I love how you are moving this needle, Cheryl, and making it 
attractive, frankly, for women to join the automotive uh, world, which I think you really paved the way being one of the kind of, you know, or being, and also being there as long as you were, right? So you almost saw your business from every single side, you know, so that you can really be equipped to meet now the needs of, of people who are in these companies and like, and all the things you provide. So I think it's really amazing how taking everything you've learned and now you're in this like kind of perfect sweet spot. So I think it's right. And the, the industry, I mean, it's so exciting right now. We've got electrification, we've got autonomous vehicle shared, you know, it's just, it's the time to be in the industry. It really is. And people are looking for women and diverse talent to join their companies. Talent is such a huge need right now. And I just see, you know, a time like no other I've been in the industry for, you know, Lots and lots of years. I've never seen a time like this. I love that. I love that. So women, you heard that. And maybe we can get our girls in there too. That's right. Okay. So we're on to the speed round, Cheryl. It's my favorite. What does it mean to you to be a warrior woman? Well, I am a warrior woman because I am a lifelong learner. So I am constantly, continuously learning. I mean, the My Magic certification program we went through is just one example, but I just truly believe that growth is never done and there's always something more to learn. And I, and that's why I listen to your podcast, right? I just, I love learning. I love being inspired and motivated by all that we have available to us right now through TED Talks and videos and podcasts and courses and boy. So much opportunity. So lifelong learner would be my warrior woman. <laughs> yes, I love that. I was literally talking to a girlfriend today. I'm like, don't you just want to lock yourself in a room and read every book, all the books you want to read? Yes. Yes. <laughs> like I have like literally 20 million books I want to read. And I'm like, and I'm just trying to like, you know, get in there with these books. And I'm like, gosh, I just need to like lock myself in somewhere so I can read all my books. I <laughs> know. <laughs> what is a mantra or quote you live by? Well, when I had a bigger team, it was take care of your team, your team will take care of you, right? We've got to keep each other out of trouble. But, but now, you know, another mantra, and I think the way I live my life now is, you know, the Van Halen song, Might As Well Jump. Yeah, I have that song going through my mind. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to do the thing, if I'm, I'm going to do something scary or do something that I'm um, not familiar with, trying to push myself, it's might as well jump. And I will rock out to that in my car, at my house. You know, if no one's home, I'll dance around the house to that song because it inspires me. Let me just say, you just named the podcast. Congratulations. Oh. <laughs> you just named it. I love when someone does something like this because I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Might as well jump. That's the name of this podcast. I love it so much. Cheryl, that is brilliant. You know how I have my Angela Bassett thing. I've talked about this many times, but I love that there's that movie. I forget what it's called, but Angela Bassett walks over and she drops a match in her like husband's clothes in his car and yes. sets it on fire. That's how I, I literally picture that when I'm going to release a pro, like a program or go live on Facebook or do something where I know I want to put this out. I know I want to heal women. I want to help women. I want all women to win, but I'm like a little scared to put something out. I just think of Angela Bassett lighting oh my gosh. On fire. Was that waiting to exhale? What's that? Was that yes, waiting to yes, exhale? waiting to exhale. That's what it was. So, so Liz, I just came across that movie yesterday because I'm going to Jamaica on Saturday. And yes. I was, I watched how Sabella got her groove back. Amazing. I love that movie. I love that movie. <laughs> and, that, and that other one came up. The one you just mentioned. Waiting to yeah. exhale. Waiting yes. to exhale came That's up. That's yeah. so fun. No, I love <laughs> Stella Got Her Groove Back. It's like one of my favorite movies of all time. Cheryl, I can't believe you just brought that up. I love Whoopi Goldberg and mm -hmm. Angela Bassett's Friendship. 
yes. in that movie, how funny they are together when they go I on know. that trip and the, all the men that are trying to come on to them oh, and how exactly. funny they are. So good. I can't take it. Okay. <laughs> Tell me what makes you feel unstoppable? I feel unstoppable when my nutrition is in check. You know, I've been tracking my macros, I'm taking my vitamins and when my fitness routine is in play because, you know, I'm getting older now and sometimes if I don't keep on top of my fitness, it can be hard to walk down the steps. <laughs> so when I am on top of my nutrition and my vitamins, uh, supplements, and I'm exercising, you know, at least four times a week, I feel unstoppable. I need to get on your damn program. My husband, <laughs> this macro thing, and I'm just like, I, you know what I have? I realized I have this kind of rebel tendency and I will, so I will buck against things. So for example, if you give me a program and it's like track your macros and da, 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 da. And I feel like I'm trapped in a thing, then I won't do it. I rebel mm. against it versus he loves it. He, cause he loves to, the organization of it all and the math and the science and all that. And so he tracks his macros too. And he's like, and he looks great and he's doing great. And I'm like, dang, I got to do the macros. You know, I also tried so many things over the, over yeah, the years. We all have, sure. And this, this one, you know, math and science, I'm doing the Mind Strong Fitness, Rachel Freeman thing. Okay. And I just really love how nothing's off limits. So not restricting anything. And I feel like I've healed my relationship with food because it was, I was so afraid to eat a carb. <laughs> and now, you know, just being able to bring all those things back, keeping it in check. I don't know. I feel more in control. Okay. I'm going to look at Rachel Freeman, yeah. nine strong. I'm going to look this, I'm going to look into this. Maybe we'll have her on the podcast show. Oh, she would, be, would be amazing. Okay. What are you most proud of? I am most proud of Kadia because I will tell you, leaving corporate, Liz, is hard. I was there for you know 31 years at Ford, a year and a half at a tier one supplier, and I feel like Ford was my parent. And I always was looking to someone else for that validation, that external validation. Now being able to do that for myself and my own company... I'm, I'm really, really proud of being able to create something out of nothing and, you know, validate myself and have that self-reliance. That is so well said, Cheryl. That is amazing. And by the way, they are, they were kind of like your parent. My God, you started oh there. Gosh. You were so yeah. young. Yes. Right. Yes. So you really grew up in Ford. You did. You grew up as a person, as a woman, as a leader, like in all the ways, right? So it would be natural for you to be like, Am I good now? Am I good? Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's amazing that you started this thing for yourself because now you don't need that anymore. You've graduated right. to this kind of level where you're like, I don't even need that external thing. Right. You know, we were talking about entrepreneurship at an early age. I can remember before I got that apprenticeship, you know, be, before that I was still struggling. At, at one time I had five different jobs. And when I knew I got into that apprenticeship and wasn't going to have to do that anymore, there was a little piece of me that was like, oh, okay, you know, the two doors we were talking about, okay, I guess I'm going to take this door and be with the company and be secure for a really long time instead of doing all the crazy entrepreneurial things. So there, there would always been that entrepreneur thing in the back of my mind. If I get the chance, I'm going to cash in my chips and jump. <laughs> and you might as well jump. And you also already had your entrepreneurship thing since you were little. So you're just circling back to the That's yumminess nice. of your childhood and the thing that yes. you really loved. So yes, that's incredible. Yes. <laughs> I love that, Cheryl. Oh my God. What's exciting you the most right now? 
what's exciting me the most. So we are getting ready to launch cohort number two for our DEI certification program. So I feel the more we can normalize and operationalize DEI, the faster we're going to be able to make progress. So the more little DEI people I can create, <laughs> the better. So our first cohort was 27 people. It was magic, magic. It was so beautiful. So I'm looking forward to kicking off the next cohort, which uh, starts in February. I love it. I love it. Just continuing on. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl, for coming on today. Thank you for being a podcast listener and now a podcast guest. Yes. So thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> thank you for story. having me. Yeah. You, I mean, your, your story is incredible and inspiring to me. So I'm really glad that, you know, first of all, I'm so glad we met, but I'm yeah, so glad well. you came on and talked about all this stuff today because I feel like there's so many women who are either a, you know, not knowing which door. Yes. Did they do the second door? They don't know if they should jump. And also there's a lot of women out there who are leaving corporate, Cheryl. They're just like, no. And so I'm glad that you're encouraging women that you can make it your own, that we can change it. It doesn't have to be the noose around your neck that maybe it's felt for some women. It can be different now. And you're part of that change in that game. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> but thank you so much. Okay. So thank you everyone for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye, everyone. 